Welcome to the Football Outsiders Radio Hour on Twitch. Once again, not on the radio and not always an hour, but always on twitch.tv slash fboutsiders. 1 p.m. on Thursdays, Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Uh, also with a new fantasy show next Tuesday, same time, 1 p.m. Eastern, with Scott Spratt, who's joining me today because we are all here. If you are watching the Twitch show, uh, for those of you who are going to be afterwards listening on podcast, you will get to hear so many voices today. We are in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, which is the headquarters of our parent company, Edge Sports, and the whole Football Outsiders clan is here. Uh, not the whole clan, not all the contributors, but all the full-time folks. So uh, from left to right on your screen, Mike Tanier slash Tanier. Tanner. He's Tanner now. He was also Tanner yesterday for a while, yeah? I'm just here dropping knowledge, Coach. <laughs> Me, Aaron Schatz, Editor-in-Chief, Vince Verhey, and our fantasy expert, Scott Spratt. We are at a studio in Louisville. How mm -hmm. have you guys enjoyed our week here? I, I've, I've seen all the sites. From Evan Williams to Bullet <laughs> to Maker's Mark uh, and, and the Biscuits as well. So I have I have, think I've drunk deeply of what most of what Louisville has to offer. You you, you joke, mm -hmm. but I really really enjoyed that uh, Four Roses small batch at the bar. That was a win. And I, I'm not going to call myself a bourbon expert, but I do think I have a favorite Louisville bourbon now. And it is the Four Roses small Four batch. Four Roses small batch. Brought delicious. to you by Four Roses small batch, ladies and gentlemen. Conveniently, like two doors down from a hotel, I believe, but. Today's episode is brought to you by the Louisville Tourism Council. No, my friends were like, oh my God, you're going to Kentucky. Louisville is a pretty cool hip yes. city. I'm going to give it some points, man. The North Louisville neighborhood, a.k.a. New Lou, which is where the office is headquartered, has a ton of hip restaurants, yes. most of which sell biscuits and bourbon. A lot of if you go There's to the Louisville, theme. the Louisville airport has a theme. Like 90% of the advertisements are for bourbon. We have a bourbon store... Mm -hmm. larger than some, like, 7-Elevens I have seen. Yes. And, and that's all they sell. They may like bourbon chocolates, but... I, 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 the, when I went to a coffee shop this morning, this guy told me about uh, uh, Kentucky coffee, Kentucky coffee, which contains bourbon and brown sugar. And it's like, I may want to come back and get one. Well, he says, as of 7.30, I can sell you one. Uh, but Nulu is very boho, wouldn't you say? Yes, yeah. this is the boho neighborhood, absolutely. By the way, you have not introduced anybody else, have you? No, I did. Oh, okay. I said Vince. He he gave I our said names. Scott. Uh, Scott hasn't spoken yet, yeah. but that's because this has not been his preferred topic of conversation. No, 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 it's not that. It's Scott just, does not drink bourbon. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's fair. But the other thing is, I'm actually from the South, so it's not surprising okay. to me that I would enjoy uh, I myself in a Southern city. Gotcha. <laughs> right. Us Northerners, or in Vince's case, Northwesterners. Yeah, that counts. I'm still a Yankee, I believe. Vince was able to put out his full Seattleness yesterday in a, uh, excitement over the Kraken expansion draft. Yes, um, <laughs> which I just don't know anything about, so don't ask me any Kraken questions. I can only repeat to you what I have read from ESPN experts and whatnot. But uh, uh, oh, audio change. Um, yes, uh, it, it's recorded on my DVR at home. I'll be checking that out when we get home over the weekend. It uh, did bring up the discussion of wouldn't it be so much fun? Like they're not going to do it because 32 teams is perfect and going to like 34 teams would bring up all kinds of scheduling problems like mm -hmm. as much as they would like the money. 
But man, wouldn't it be fun to have an NFL expansion draft in this era of analytics, mm -hmm. where we could actually like write analytically about the players who were available and like try to figure out the best strategy for the expansion teams? It would be a lot of fun. Am I too pessimistic to already want to dump Sam Darnold on an expansion team? <laughs> since he hasn't even played a game yet for my Panthers. I, I would I would argue you're too optimistic <laughs> to think a new team would want him. No, that's why you in an expansion you make them you you only let him be the the eligible poached player for the Panthers, right? You can you can restrict that. I'm sorry, but the analytics say that the expansion teams should not draft anybody, and they should just bank their money for the next two years uh, and save their cap space and just go 0 and 17. That that's that's the Moneyball building exercise. They should trade their expansion draft picks for actual draft picks five yeah, years later. Right, right, <laughs> right. Have an empty stadium. So uh, Vince is going on from here to Nashville on vacation, which does bring up. We were talking earlier about like, yeah. what are your your cities that you your dream travel cities that you've never been to? Like, where do you want to travel to that you've never gone to yet? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll kick it off. I'm a huge golf nerd, so my, my, my choices would all be golf-related. Okay. We'd really love to go to Scotland and Ireland, like mm -hmm. kind of run through the Tom Coyne preferred courses in that, that part oh, of the world. Wow. Also, I'm of Scottish heritage, so it'd be. I feel like I would just naturally appreciate Lynx golf without having any reason to really believe that about myself, but <laughs> it's kind of a romantic view of, of who I am as a person. Nice. I've been to Ireland. It's lovely. Okay. Not yeah. a golfer, but um, I'm... Everything else is great anyway, so you'll have a good time. Don't get caught in a parking garage in Ireland. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, that story. Yeah, I got trapped in a parking garage in Ireland and escaped without international incident. Never been to Scotland. <laughs> um, Scotland is a place I'd love to go. Um, I've never been to Chicago outside the airport. I'm going to get to mm -hmm. do that in September. Um, flying in to see the uh, AEW show in Chicago and then spending the whole weekend there and actually being a tourist. Uh, which leads me actually to my other real dream destination, uh, which would be Tokyo, Japan. Oh, my. Um, in part because I would love to see a New Japan wrestling show at the Tokyo Dome. That would be fantastic. But this, I'm also into many other aspects of Japanese culture. Uh, kaiju movies. Uh, there's a, like a Godzilla museum now and Godzilla thrill rides that I pretty much need to see before I die. Um, and just, you know, Japan is a whole separate culture, country, uh, you know, I, you need to see a metropolis like Tokyo, also get out in the countryside, the mountains, and uh, that would be my ultimate dream bucket list vacation, that um, it, it's such a dream that I can't even think of when it would happen, but I would love to do it. Yeah, Japan for me too, but for a totally different I'm reason. I'm sure. I just want to eat my way through the country, because <laughs> I love Japanese cuisine so much. I'm not like one of those weird like anime-assessed people, and I'm not into New oh. Japan. I'm, no, I'm not into New Japan wrestling. Dude, no, no. We're on Twitch. Yeah, was like, <laughs> sh shots fired at Derek Klassen as well, I believe. Oh, no, his thing is Korean way. anime. Oh, okay, my oh. mistake. His thing is like K-pop. He's like learning Korean and stuff. That's awesome. Um, but I love the food, so I just want to go to Tokyo and eat all the food there. But um, And then in America, like I've been to all the pretty cool, interesting cities that have their own culture at this point. Like the last kind of culturally unique American city I hadn't been to was Miami until the Super Bowl two years oh, okay. ago. So at this point, like my desires to travel in America are just to stadiums I haven't been to that are cool. Like I'd like to go to a game at Lambeau at some point. Sure. Just want to tell our Weeb community we love you. I'm sorry. I, 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 uh, uh, I, there are two seasons sports-wise for me. Football season, which runs from camps opened, so now until yeah. uh, end of June, God and then has. Tour de France season, where I get to watch cycling for three weeks. I want to go to France. I want to go to not just Paris. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but I want to be, and my wife and I go to some of those little towns at the tops yes. of the mountains, at the bottom of the mountain, with the cathedral and the museum, mm-hmm. and drink wine and, and good beer, eat cheese, and watch guys ride bicycles back real fast. I thought maybe Mikey would be the fan that held the sign out so oh, that it knocked the bicyclist off his off his uh, seat. They almost got the guillotine. <laughs> that cra- well, now of course it's completely inappropriate and insane. And an epic crash day one of the Tour de France because somebody held a sign up and then the players just crashed into it. The cyclists crashed into it. Almost and got the guillotine for it. No, I would imagine not. if the big game started with the Stanford band play. Yes, what happened. that's exactly what happened. That's, yeah, but no, that would be a pretty straightforward. Everything's straightforward though. Yeah, you know Scotland and Tokyo and Paris. But, uh, you know, that's a bucket list, right? France is good, too. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, I'd love to go there. Useful Title says it's a good thought experiment. If there was a new expansion team in the NFL, would they be like the Panthers and the Jaguars and make the playoffs within two years? Or would they be like the Texans and, you know... And the New Browns. Be terrible. And I think it depends on how they set up the expansion draft. Like, they set up the expansion draft for Carolina and Jacksonville so that they could get some useful players... Mm -hmm. And then they were like, oh, let's not do that again. Right. <laughs> and they set it up to make it a lot harder on Cleveland and Houston. I suspect it would be closer to that. I think they'd be a lot, lot more restrictive about the players available um, and, uh, and which players you could protect. And, um, yeah, but in the new era of rushing quarterbacks, though, if you got an early draft pick and you could get your season's Trey Lance or Justin Fields or you know Kyler Murray from a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. maybe you could immediately be really good you could also wind up with Deshaun Watson sure. in expansion draft and then or with, David Carr right and, and, yeah and there would be a lot of cap headaches exposed to expansion probably so it's like and that's kind of what it was with that's Houston. what happened in the NHL too is yeah. that they oh, yeah. all exposed their cap headaches and exactly. Vegas Vegas was like two years ago was like all right we'll take your cap headaches and build a team out of it and they right. built like a team that went to the Stanley Cup yeah. finals out of everybody's cap headaches and, and Seattle from what I understand basically avoided that strategy like the, the, the Stanley Cup, one of the Stanley Cup goaltenders was available, but they turned him down because he's old and expensive. I love the idea of avoiding the strategy that worked recently. That's pretty powerful. <laughs> well, I think that they, I think, I think the idea is that they may have nerfed that strategy a little bit right. for Seattle because, I mean, I would think going forward that any of the four leagues that has an expansion draft, that the, the old teams would be like, okay, let's make sure nobody does Vegas on us mm-hmm. here. Like, mm-hmm. let's, no Golden Knights, please. Like, right. let's make sure that we don't suddenly allow some expansion team to go to our championship game. So if there was one this year, and we didn't plan on talking about this, but I think it's a good question, who would be the best quarterback available in an expansion draft? Deshaun. I'm guessing they would just... I'm not sure he counts as good, though, because you don't know if he's going to be available. Yeah. What about Marcus Mariota's kind of... Mariota's not bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think maybe Garoppolo. Garoppolo. Yeah. Garoppolo would be, they would probably not bother protecting him. They'd love to get his salary done with. I was going to say Teddy some. Bridgewater, but he you would know s- Teddy Bridgewater's salary is probably low enough that he's not, he yeah, he's not could enough. protect both Locke and Bridgewater. Would the Packers dump Aaron Rodgers on an expansion team just as a spiteful fun no. move? No, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Spite is a powerful, powerful emotion as we are learning this offseason. Yeah. I think they would want to get. What if they, I, could, what if they dumped Jordan Love? Would then, would then things be all good? Sorry to derail us into a Packers combo, but you know, nope. you've got to. It's required. I don't think anyone's discussed Aaron Rodgers this offseason. I think we're the first to break this ground. CEO of the legend says Kirk Cousins? No, they No, because no, I think good. the Vikings would protect them. Who's their, who's their backup? Kellen Mond. Yeah, they would not. No. No. No, you're not just dumping a starting quarterback onto the expansion unless you are like angry with them for some Oh, way. wait, wait, wait. I figured it out. It's Matt Ryan. 
It is Matt Ryan. Yeah. Because yeah. at this point, he's old and he makes tons of money. They and had they to stretch him. He, yes. he, has, he has three more years of yeah, big okay. dead cap money. Yeah. And they can't, they can't get away from it. This, would be, the very only, this would be the only way. Or trade him call. to the expansion team for picks or something. Like, they something. do something like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, eat the cap space for us and be competitive and put somebody on the front of the media guide. Coral Skipper says, it's a shame they would never let Vegas happen again in an expansion draft because it did help immediately establish the team in the city in a mm-hmm. way that it usually takes years to do imagine being that forward thinking as a sports league to say be competitive right away i would think that owners would not want to be like giving their spots in the finals to expansion teams though they're happy to take their money but they don't (laughs) want those teams to actually be good for a while um you haven't lived until you've sat in a youth sports uh dad's meeting for an expanding your youth sports league and have the parents yelling and screaming about how you put together the expansion team. Like, they shouldn't be able to get all our best players. It's like, they're eight years old. Yeah. <laughs> this, folks, this literally happens. Like, we have to make oh, that yeah. team. Yeah, those, sorry, kids. You're going to stink for three years because this is, you know, it's, it's bitty basketball for eight-year-olds, and that's what we've decided, you know. Oh, man. So one of the things is uh, we've been doing a bunch of promotional stuff here over the last couple of days and news breaks while you're doing promotions. So all the big news of the last couple of days, which uh, tended to revolve around the NFC West. So we're gonna talk about the NFC West a lot on this show, all broke while we were doing stuff. It was really funny. We were like shooting promotional shots and I like <laughs> looked at my Twitter on Tuesday and gasped really <laughs> oh, loud. Yes. And everyone was like, did somebody Die? Yeah. I thought legitimately war had broken out. Yes. <laughs> All it was yes. was a big fantasy football injury. But I was just like, oh, my God, while we're here doing yeah. stuff, Cam Akers tore his Achilles. Yes. And I just gasped really, really loud. <laughs> and I feel very badly for Cam Akers. And yeah. that's terrible news. But, yes, Aaron, Aaron took this to heart. Right. The, the funny thing is, I mean, we all talked about this and agreed, you know, even though we do not all hold, looking at some mic over here, uh, we do not all completely hold to analytics orthodoxy when it comes to everything. The fact mm. is, I think we are all generally in the running backs. There aren't, like, huge differences between running backs. So for the Rams and their actual, like, quality this year and ability to make the playoffs, it feels like Cam Akers getting injured doesn't mean that much. But for fantasy purposes, because he was going to put up such big numbers, it's like a huge poor Scott took Cam Akers in the Scott Fish Bowl. So he is, yeah. he is the first Cam Akers owner that we were able to mm-hmm. uh, give our condolences to. <laughs> well, I'm a glass half full kind of guy, so I feel like this is a cool penalty to give one of the fantasy experts in the league. And if I can win anyway, nice. then mm, that's, mm. that's pretty powerful stuff. <laughs> we actually got an email from a reader this morning asking us to write a story about how this injury would affect the Rams and uh, their chances, and I assured him that wasn't going to happen. Tell them um, we're doing it on Twitch right now. Well, yeah. I, I, I let yeah. him know I, that it, would, it, was, it was not changing our projection for the Rams very much, and also pointed him to where he could subscribe to our Kubiak Fantasy Projections at FootballOutsiders.com. Nice <laughs> <laughs> uh, work. But suffice to say, his, his, uh, his, uh, uh, Daryl Henderson's rating has gone up very high. It has. In fact, I mean, Aaron and I were arguing a lot about I was giving Cam Makers a lot of receptions, which didn't really reflect what he had done over the full season last year. There was a but, debate about this. And yes. what the Rams offense had. It was more about like the Rams offense not throwing to running backs. And it's it's kind of a weird thing here where by losing Akers, it almost makes it more likely that Henderson as the replacement will get those receptions. Mm-hmm. 
And with the updated numbers here, we have Henderson with 250 carries and 40 catches for the season. So that is just a ton of work mm -hmm. and obviously then makes him – well, it makes him a top 10 running back in PPR. He's our 10th running back in PPR. Wow. The thing that this matters for the Rams, talking about how you know running backs by and large don't matter, but they really have less depth than most teams mm -hmm. now that they've lost their starter. Uh, behind Henderson, you have Jake Funk, a seventh-round rookie pick out of Maryland, who did not have a lot of work in college. He actually tore – uh, an ACL in the same knee two years in a row. Oh, so he God. ended up having just 135 career attempts mm. and kind of got on draft radars because he was a really good performer in not the combine because there was, wasn't a combine last year, but like in his pro days and stuff at Maryland. Mm. Then they have an undrafted back in Xavier Jones as well from the year before. So there's, it's, it's really hard to come up with other players to get work for the team that you would trust unless they end up signing somebody. They're definitely like the Rams have always favored using, like McVay likes to use a workhorse back. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. We were talking about like last year, it's just that the workhorse back changed in the middle yeah. of the season, but right. he always uses one guy. And Henderson was a back cast favorite. So, like, I love Scott yeah. came to me on Tuesday night and was like, We're going to be projecting Henderson to basically be a top 10 fantasy player. Do you have a problem with that? And I was like, Are you projecting him to be a little bit lower than Akers? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then I don't really have a problem with it because he's going to get all the carries and he's going to get he's going to get all the usage. So and, and it's yeah. not it's not just backcast because Henderson twenty one point four percent rushing DVOA in twenty twenty that was fourth among running backs with a hundred or more carries. Mm. Also a seventeen point two percent receiving DVOA. Mm. Seems like he might be pretty good. Yeah. That and honestly, it's I wrote the Rams chapter when Akers was drafted and that draft pick confused me at the time. Because <laughs> we were like Henderson's. You really already good. have Henderson. Like, yeah. you, you don't have linebackers, but well, that's yeah. what they did. Yeah, the Rams are very much not an off-ball linebacker team. No. It's like Micah uh, – is it Micah Kaiser? Kaiser? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I was thinking Drew Kaiser for some reason, mm -hmm. but I think that's a different person. Yes, different person. And Micah, it's Micah Kaiser and Kenny Young who yes. came over from Baltimore. A throw in for uh, the um, cornerback they traded. Uh, uh, Marcus Peters. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and, of course – the. Uh, this is like a natural segue because the other big story in the NFC West is off-ball linebackers yes. and Fred Warner and the big gigantic contract that Fred Warner signed this uh, week, which I don't remember the numbers on, but it's big and gigantic and long. There's so many zeros. There's a lot of zeros. There's a lot of fluff on the end of it, too, as you might sure, expect. Sure. I, gave, I gave it a look-see, and, you know... You, it's deflatable in a lot of ways. Yeah, the, fir the first thing is that we all came out, especially on Twitter, the analytics community came out with its opinions about the Fred Warner contract right away. When you always, you always come out with your opinions right away and then you have to be like, oh, wait a minute, we have to see what the details of the contract are. How many real years are here? How much real money is this? Nothing really screams scientific method like coming up with an opinion right away. <laughs> <laughs> opinion first, facts can wait. Uh, but it really brought up this, like, argument. I think there was a lot of debate in the analytics community on Twitter about the contract uh, because, on one hand, there's this sort of belief of off-ball linebackers being a less important position. And on the other hand, Warner excels in coverage, and there's this general belief of coverage being more important than pass rush. Mm -hmm. and, and Warner is really good in cover like he's an off-ball linebacker so it's not like he's as big as it's not as like it's as big a deal as having a cornerback but he is like really excels in cover i mean he excels against the run too he's yeah, good he's, he's a very good in very good way. football player um i watched the 49ers season i did the 49ers chapter this year 
and in a rotating cast of football players where they were never the same roster every week because of all the injuries. He's a guy, and they have injuries every year, but he's never missed a game. 16 starts all three of the years, and, and he pops off the tape. He's always run the ball, making tackles. Um, doesn't make as many highlight reel plays as a lot of other guys because they're not there to be made necessarily. Um, but w- w- when the contract was signed, I thought that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. He's very good. I- yeah. <laughs> Signing good players is not a bad thing. Yes, yes. and I'll say this because like the number was five years, ninety-five million dollars. Um, one of the years is phony baloney. It's a seventeen million dollar uh, void, year. void year, and there's a built-in opt-out for the void years. Um, we, we call that Mike Tanier money, by the way. Yes, in, in the biz, <laughs> funny baloney tenure money. Uh, the, the cap hits really hit 2023, 2024. So if you're talking about a contract, you always have to say, where is the cap going to be in a couple of years? And we know it's going to be stratospheric probably in 2023, 2024 when they can, when they're not adjusting. When the money goes up. Yeah. When the money goes up and it kind of hits there. So I don't know if a $20 million cap hit in 2024, and there's it's actually 20, 20 in 2025, it's a $26 million cap hit. That's probably not happening either. Right. So, so you have to extend, like, highest paid player, this, this, this. You have to start by saying the, the boat's going up again. And yep. so I don't know if that's a bad investment at that point. It seems a little rich, but for a great player, that's probably going to be th- – that might be the fifth highest paid player by then, seven, yeah. uh, linebacker. By uh, that position, yeah, yeah. yeah. Salary's going to go up again. The, the, the cash is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think it's a little dangerous, though. This was kind of a thing that happened in the NBA when there was a huge spike in TV money mm-hmm. where basically every contract that got signed, people were like, well, the cap's going yeah. up. Like, how big a deal is it? <laughs> but, like, I think it does get to the point where the 49ers are going to have to pay other players too, yeah. right? And, like, we would all agree that someone like Nick Bosa, despite yeah. the injury, is yep. a more important player to lock up long term. They didn't prevent themselves from doing that. Right. But, you know, this this could be a way to get to that. So I think it is important to consider whether – do we think that signing off-ball linebackers, even that are good in coverage, is like is that a mistake? The way that it might be to sign a running back. Remember, they don't. Have, if Trey Lance is the answer, they don't have to pay that quarterback for a couple of years. So you sure. have that built right yeah, in. Yeah, that Shit. gives you more money, but you can then spend that money on other things too, right? Right. right. But they're also a team, and, and the the Lance contract is a great point. But this is also a team that has the highest paid offensive lineman, I believe, mm-hmm. in the league. Uh, they're shelled out a ton of money to a tight end. Mm-hmm. They're shelled out a ton of money to a fullback. So they're playing a different game of football than just about anybody else. The fullback one's weird a little bit. Remember, they're also about to lose the Garoppolo contract at some point. That'll that'll help too. That frees money up. They they do not build a roster like pretty much anyone else in the league right now. Right. And they reached the Super Bowl two years ago, so they're not completely off base on how to... When it it works, it works. My argument was that you do want to get as many good coverage players as possible, Mm -hmm. and this is the one they've got. Like... In a vacuum, if you were building your team from scratch, you would rather put your money into having your stars be cornerbacks and safeties. Yeah. Like, based on what analytics shows, that that is sort of the suggested way to do things. Yes. But what they ended up with, with the way that they've drafted, is that this is their guy, and mm-hmm. he's a great, he is a great coverage player. They're mm-hmm. not signing, this is not Zach Cunningham. They're not <laughs> signing a run stopper. Right. This is a, a guy who's great at everything, especially mm-hmm. coverage. And they don't have an opportunity necessarily right. to go out and get a top cornerback with that money. Right. Like, better that they use the money, and they have the extra money because they're going to be paying a rookie quarterback for the next few years. Yeah. Better that they use it to lock up this really good cover linebacker. 
I feel like this would have made a lot of sense if it were really obvious that the 49ers were all in this year. Right. But like the, the Trey Lance draft pick sends a different signal that this team is trying to be successful over a longer period of time. And so that's where you would have to question whether yeah. three years from now, four years from now, would they wish they had done something differently with the money? I'm yeah. not sure that they would have, but I think that's where it becomes a real argument. Right. And I think that's the point. This is a nuanced type of thing. And Gosh, what I saw yesterday was a lot of bad because, and then you hit, a, you you have a bullet point of, of that's analytics scented. Yeah, analytics know. says <laughs> off ball linebackers yeah. bad. My favorite Yankee candle. Yeah, analytics. Analytics scented. Yes. And Scott said, right, like, wouldn't you feel if it was a running back? What did you say about? Well, I was talking about the Panthers, obviously, yeah. but with Christian McCaffrey because right. I think we had the sense that that was a bad move, even though McCaffrey was young, was successful, was actually a good receiver. So that's something that may be a little bit more important for a running back. There were a lot of things that pointed to McCaffrey as being one of the best running backs to sign. Yeah. But basically, I think we all agreed that it was a bad move from like a competitive standpoint, right? right. right. So there, there is clearly a line where if you're putting a lot of money in some positions, it's mm-hmm. almost always going to be a bad idea. But is that line in between running backs and off-ball linebackers, or is it on the other side of off-ball linebackers, right. And right? my argument was, as long as your off-ball linebacker is a really good coverage player, mm-hmm. not a run-thumper, that I would put the line in between. Like, right. for example, as a Patriots fan, I am very excited to have Dante Hightower back this mm-hmm. year. But I don't think Dante Hightower, even at his peak, was worth the Fred Warner money because he's not in coverage. Right. He, he can rush the passer, he can stop the run, but he's not a coverage player the mm-hmm. way Warner is. Right. And also, where are you putting the money? So if you put 20, 24 bucks in front of a running back, like he's done. He's probably done. He's probably not the same guy. I, I feel comfortable that Warner can be this guy in 2023, yes. 2024. It's a different. So, so like there's value and then there's length mm. value, which is another, another factor to this. It's very, very multifaceted. He, he's young enough, Warner is, that he should still be an impact player when Trey Lance is a starter and ready to win playoff games. That's, and that's a possibility. Although you say there is. They're rowing the boat in two different directions. They are, they are and, 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 and that's the, the question I tried to answer. Uh, the waters I tried to navigate, to take your boat metaphor a little step, mm-hmm. uh, in the San Francisco chapter. And, and it is weird. Um, they, are, they are trying to contend for a Super Bowl right now and plan for the future at the same time, and yeah. that's never been done. And it's it, it, Successfully. The, yeah, because they found themselves last year as a Super Bowl roster who implo- imploded mm-hmm. because of injuries and quarterback ineffectiveness and they're trying to correct that on the fly yeah so you know saying well you know what you need to do rebuild because that one didn't work i that's that's great to say here and it's not a good thing to say in the boardroom when you have a but and in a locker room full of guys that were a a couple of plays away from beating the the chiefs yeah i'm gonna bring up by the way i thought a really good tweet from bryce rossler of sports info solutions Mm -hmm. about the argument with the with uh, internet analytics people on twitter yesterday about the warner contract where he says, the proposal to play safeties at linebacker is fan fiction. <laughs> Aside from introducing run game concerns, most teams don't have four good safeties. Mm-hmm. Also true. And those players are used to seeing the action from greater depth and positioning themselves differently in coverage. Is there any evidence that replacement level safeties are better in coverage than starting linebackers? How many free agent safeties are free agents because they can't cover adequately? Mm-hmm. And I think that that is, I think that that is a truth. Like as much as we feel like teams need to be going to dime all the time, and not every team is going to have enough safeties to play dime all the time, and some teams do 
have really good linebackers that are really good in coverage like Fred Warner mm-hmm. or Levante David. And maybe you would rather have those guys on the field than your fourth safety. Right. So, Aaron, is, is there a Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray component to sign, trying to, to keep Warner? Like, is their division specifically one where they need an athlete mm. to keep up with those quarterbacks? And, like, is Warner particularly equipped to do that in anyone's mind? I mean, I, I would say that... It's not... It's not I don't know if that's hurt. a divisional thing because there's so many of those quarterbacks I in mean, the league that's, now. That's absolutely fair. That yeah. no matter what division you're in, you want to have, you would love to have a rangy side to side linebacker who can do things like yeah, that, tackle the quarterback on mm. scrambles and identify the mesh point on options. I was just runs, wondering you know. if if there might be a point where it's like Warner is actually more valuable to the 49ers than we might traditionally think of for a linebacker. Right. Like and, I mean, there may be an in, angle in the there. same way that Kyle Uzcheck is more valuable yeah, to exactly. them because of the role of the fullback in their offense he has right. value to them that he wouldn't have to some and other team he may that may be true in the locker room that may be true as like a defensive play caller there, right. there could be i mean that's not exactly our bread and butter as analytics people no. but i mean there could be reasons that this makes more sense than it's obvious from an outsider's perspective and, and that's one of the things you always respect when you're doing the analytics right it's like well there's the behind closed doors they decide this guy's priority mm-hmm. they could be stupid or it could be a big reason and you know this team has won things in the past so you say they probably do have some good reasons and, and that is another component to this. I think the, the good news is I don't think there's any reason to suspect Warner is more than a small overpay. It's, it's yeah. not like we paid a guy that's not going to give us anything. That's, what right? I'm, yeah. that's, what I, that's where I kind of lean on. It's like they paid a lot for him, but it has a, the chance of the dividend working out in their favor is relatively good. I'll yeah. point out Brian Knowles, or, or Brian Knowles tweeted that based on – he does the free agency cost-benefit article mm-hmm. every year, mm-hmm. and based on his projections – of like eight of approximate value mm-hmm. this is a small overpay yeah right yeah. that sounds right, right. U- useful title says case in point nate gary a former college safety turned an nfl linebacker not good enough for san francisco to even keep on the roster for this year is that nate, you see an eagle eagles legend nate, nate gary? gary is a nightmare this is a no nate gary zone <laughs> <laughs> well I was, I was trying to slip in a little joke here about how the, the forward thinking analytical teams never pay linebackers much like the eagles <laughs> <laughs> that's true well they don't they usually don't pay like that. but what happened a fist fight on our twitch show we've done <laughs> nate, Nate Geary was a binky of, of some of the people uh, who make decisions in Philly, but he was also a guy like the positionless defender. You watch a guy, look at him playing in space in college. There's one honey badger. You know, there's only a couple other guys who do stuff like that. This player that we're waiting for, who's going to replace the Warners of the world, there's five of them that exist. So, oh, well, if you don't get one, don't, don't, don't compete for the Super Bowl, kids. You know, it's like, no, you got a guy here who can do these things. He fits your scheme. You pay him. Like I say, maybe you overpay him a little bit. You have to do something. <laughs> you, know, you have to compete. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, I'm not, Brian says, did Shaq Thompson not become the ultimate safety linebacker hybrid? Yeah. <laughs> That's, he's a good, he's, 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 he's a, a linebacker, right? Yeah, yeah. He's not as good as Fred Warner. There you ben, are. Ben Muth writes our offensive line column at uh, Football Outsiders. Mm-hmm. It's very gift heavy, so you, you, you see... Uh, where guys are succeeding and failing in their blocks. And it, it may have been 2019, but one of his columns he just devoted to one of his teams was playing the defense. It was either Arizona and Dan Buchanan, mm-hmm. or the Rams had a safety. They tried to play a linebacker. Mark Barron. Mark Barron. Yeah. Oh, God, he was bad. Well, maybe it was him. But it was one of those I teams. I thought he was reasonable. Not, all, late, all, not late in his career. Anyway, go yeah. all, all of Ben's gifts were of this uh, uh, dimeback or a dollarback or whatever they <laughs> yeah, call it. Yeah, yeah. 
getting destroyed in blocks over and over and over again right, for right. an entire Sunday. Right, right. And it's like, you do have to still defend Iran. We but talk the, about pass being more important. You still have to defend Iran. Right. Yes. I understand the idea that you want to invite the other team to run. Mm-hmm. You, maybe you want to play a little smaller because you'd rather have them running than passing, mm-hmm. but you don't if they're getting six yards of carry. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Like, you haven't really gotten right. an advantage by inviting them to run if their run is getting six yards of carry. So... Um, <laughs> Reminding everybody you're watching the Football Outsiders Radio Hour live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash football outsiders, sorry, slash FB outsiders. Uh, but maybe slash football outsiders gets you there also. We, we may need to change that in the scroll on the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also listening to us on your favorite podcast app and watching us on YouTube. And by the way, if you're listening to us on the podcast app, please rate the podcast Rate the Football Outsiders Podcast Network. Give us many stars. It does help people find the show. Absolutely. Be sure to rate the Almanac as well. If you've purchased the Almanac on Amazon, please go to Amazon.com and please uh, give a good rating to the Football Outsiders Almanac. That also helps people find the book, helps us make money, helps us continue to bring you great football content. CEO of the Legend says, this conversation reminds me of the Patriots-Chargers game. Yeah from the 2018-2019 season when the week after the Chargers were lauded for using all those defensive backs to right. defend against Lamar Jackson, the Patriots just ran all over them. Yeah, yeah, and it was just a very power, very yeah. simple. Right, right. It's like, that's still in everybody's quiver. You can still do those things in the NFL. So it's like, well, uh, it's more important to defend the pass, so forget the run. That's that's not, again, that's not good thinking process. Right. I mean, you it's you know, you can be Kansas City and be like, look, we're just not going to improve our run defense from year right. over year. But even Kansas City, the run defense DVOA for them is something like 2 or 3% mm-hmm. above zero. Right. So that's, you know, still not a lot of efficiency. Like, it still makes doesn't make sense for teams to run on Kansas City that much, even right. though Kansas City is a bad run defense. Um, as long as we're talking NFC West and we have Vince here, the next thing to talk about is the Seattle Seahawks, um, where, speaking of linebackers, is there any chance of K.J. Wright coming back? Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's not a priority or would have happened by now. Mm. Part of it is... Um, Sign, making him priority and sign, re-signing him this offseason off season would be an admission that the Jordan Brooks draft pick was a waste. Yeah. Since they and usually only play two linebackers at a time, yeah. They, they play, I just edited Brian Knowles' upcoming defensive personnel piece. They, they use base more than almost anyone, but still, mm. even they only use about a third of the time, whatever right. it was. Um, and they're not, they're not the kind of team that will sit on a mistake and keep making it just to avoid admitting they made a mistake. Right. When Percy Harvin blew up, they got rid of him. Um, right. When, when when Jimmy Graham ran his course, they let him go. Um, so they, 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 won't, they won't compound on a mistake they make. Well, Vince, so, is there any reason to suspect that Brooks is a mistake? He's only played one year. He's, he was a first-round He's a rookie, pick. and they didn't use him that much. And, yeah. Right. And, uh, and, but they, they, there's no reason to doubt him. Um, and there's they would know better than any of us would, the Seahawks would, right. if, if, he, if he can play or not. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and they are also, they're really good at letting the market bear out. Um, right. They did not jump out and re, they didn't re-sign a bunch of guys to extensions. They had a ton of guys hit free agency. Shaquille Griffin got a lot of money from Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Not many other guys did. KJ Wright hasn't been signed yet. And right. uh, there's, he has said the door is open. I think they have said the door is open, but they, 
neither of them seem to care, to be quite frankly. About you do about. wonder, I mean, when guys are still free agents at this point, mm -hmm. maybe teams know something we don't about yes. how much they've aged. That and also how little they might take to come back when the time comes. Yeah, what they, they, what they, they might, might might sign for in the end. Yeah, they may also might be they might be telling him we, we have a dollar amount we're not going in with yeah. it. If you get more than that, congratulations, more power to you. Go, we wish you luck, but we'll stick with our other younger guy. Yeah, I'm surprised that the Seahawks. Uh, I mean, we're still early in the promotion process for Football Outsiders Almanac 2021, which everybody watching or listening to this should own a copy of by yes. now. But I'm surprised we haven't gotten more pushback yet on the Seattle Seahawks as the sort of projected NFC West top team. Because mm -hmm. they're in this sort of interesting space where I think if you look at them from the bottom up by looking at the personnel, you feel like there's a lot of weaknesses, especially the cornerback position. Yeah. Like how can you have them being projected as being that good? On the other hand, like Russell Wilson covers a lot of faults. Mm -hmm. But it is interesting because I feel like we have a big gap between us and the public perception of the Steelers. Right. And the Steelers and Seahawks were sort of the two teams that had a really bad end of the year that maybe didn't reflect their quality as an overall team. Right. So, yeah, it's weird. Why do people disagree with us about the Steelers, but they're comfortable with the Seahawks? Big Ben is toast versus let Russ cook. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's Salem it. says Seahawks still have the best quarterback. I mean, one of the best quarterbacks. In the division. So, people yes. really love Matthew Stafford with the Rams now. And by people, I mean the general <laughs> the Rams. The general <laughs> pub, the yeah. general public and yeah. people that maybe aren't as into stats that are more tools tools-based analysis. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, um, the, the, the Seahawks still the best quarterback in the division. They have been the most consistently successful team in the division, mm -hmm. even though they don't they've been a wild card team more often than not lately. Um, but year year to year, they're, they're, you, know, you can you can pretty much guarantee them for nine, maybe ten games, a, ten wins a year now that it's seventeen games, um, and you can't say the same for the Rams in Arizona and and San Francisco. They've and all had big years, but they've had down years too. I feel like Pete Carroll falls into one of the pitfalls of the analytics world, which is that the analytics folks on Twitter tend to be very critical of him. Ben Ben Baldwin, in particular, as a Seahawks fan tend to be really critical of him because the things that we can measure with analytics, he's not good at. Right. Mm -hmm. But I don't think we respect enough that the things we don't measure with analytics, he's really good at. Yeah, right? 90% like, of coaching things, <laughs> we, we have no yeah. vision right. of what's going on. Do right. I want Pete Carroll to pass the ball more the way they were doing last right. year and not revert into being a run-first team? Yeah. Hell yes. <laughs> do I want them to stop playing so much base defense? Yep. yep. Do I think that he needs to become more aggressive on fourth downs? Yep. I've said it to people in the organization. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but we do not have analytics to measure the ability of Pete Carroll to inspire his players. I thought you were going to say heart. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, it's not. It's right. not. Heart comes and, out in the performance. Yeah. And if you look at the performance, right, I'm always, I always hate the argument when we say when when anti-analytics people say you're not measuring heart the answer is heart comes out in your performance yeah. just like all of your other muscles right. and if you're not performing <laughs> if you're not producing i don't care how much heart you have yeah. but you know what pete carroll and heart and inspiration and, and comes out in production like those and, players produce and preparation and getting guys right. in the right Thank position you. and yep. ready to play yep. and all that these are this is big longitudinal stuff so like Oh, that sixth round pick was ready to play. Puna Ford develops into this guy, et cetera. Developing talent is where, yeah, he's, where, yeah. where he's developing talent is where he's best. He takes J.R. Reed, um, essentially off, off the essentially off the street, and develops into a starting corner. Right. And he's, right. he's their top corner now, which is not ideal. I agree. But right. <laughs> but he, he got him for nothing. 
Um, his teams are always prepared. Yeah. They always show you, you, you very, very rarely. Do you uh, say Seattle came out flat this week? Seattle's not, right. you know, Seattle got embarrassed this week. No, right. That, that doesn't happen. No. What do you guys think, Bill Houston, on the chat? Mm-hmm. And a reminder, you want to watch this on Twitch every Thursday because then you can participate in the chat. Bill Houston says, what do you guys make of Wilson publicly lobbying slash bloviating about having more say in roster decisions? Uh, you, you know, it's worth having a conversation about. It's better to be talking about it than to be, you know, vague booking about it like Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> you know. It, it comes down to each team. There are I mean, there are teams that bring somebody like Wilson, like a Tom Brady, into the room to a degree. And what you normally want to do, at the very least, is have the meeting with the guy to talk about what his desires, expectations yes. are, and possibly say to him, here's some of the directions we're going in. For example, drafting your replacement. So everything's on the table. Yeah. So I don't worry about too much. Russell, obviously, Wilson's like second on this list of Rodgers anyway. I think it's logical for them to be talking about it. If it's done right, though, it's not a conversation we're hearing. That's, I, that's I understand if Wilson is a little frustrated about offensive line. Yeah. But, first of all, they gave him great receivers. Mm-hmm. Okay? And including, by the way, Dwayne Eskridge is a playmaker score sleeper. And then they gave him Dwayne Brown at left tackle. Like, yeah, like there have been problems on the rest of the line, but they went out and got a darn good left tackle for him. I think what the Packers have really shown, going back to the Packers, obviously, is that it's really the communication is the thing that's it's important. It's yeah. not the moves. Like right. both both of these front offices have done a really good job of, of making their teams competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could say this about the Patriots as well, and it may not always be like the skill talent specifically, but they've made competitive rosters. But I think we're just past the point where we were 10, 15 years ago where the front office does everything and the players just play. Yeah. Those quarterbacks are powerful, mm-hmm. yep. and the front offices are yep. going to have to be open and honest with them, even if it's telling them, right. here's what we're doing, and it may not make the most sense to you and be exactly what you want to do, but we're going to communicate with you. Right, and then it's like, well, then I won't sign the next extension, yeah. and I'll be Brady and I'll walk away, rather than I sign the extension, and now there's, I didn't realize you would do this, and I was hoping you'd do this, and you're like, we didn't ask your opinion. You know, that's... That's the part that's negative. I mean, I'm, my suspicion is that as soon as Russell Wilson said anything to the public, the front office was, like, calling him and t- talking to him, and that's why yeah. we haven't heard about it anymore. Yeah. And I think that it, they probably handled it a lot better than the Packers did, yeah. right? Well, that's clear. Yeah. <laughs> that's abundantly obvious. Right. Uh, uh, Berg, uh, uh, Biscuit Belly is handling things better than <laughs> the Packers and Rodgers are right now. Biscuit Belly located next door to where we are currently recording this podcast. If you saw Mike's uh, Twitter this morning, you saw the delicious Biscuit Benny sandwich that we had for breakfast. Uh, useful title says, not to bring everything back to the Eagles, too late. But Carson Wentz's situation last season comes to mind. Yeah. Well, except I, we're talking about great quarterbacks, not quarterbacks right. that fall off a cliff. I, and, and there was, there's probably a difference between Russell Wilson expecting to be in the conversation more and Carson Wentz expecting to be in the conversation more even last year. It's like that's a level of, uh, uh, of gravitas that you have to earn. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to use Carson Wentz and gravitas in the same sentence ever again. Well, I mean, the Eagles weren't a problem of bad communication with Carson Wentz. The problem was Carson Wentz became really bad suddenly without expectation, right? And bad at communication, too. Okay. Well, yeah, because I don't think they told Carson, hey, we're drafting Jalen Hurts. Got a little bad at adulting. There were all those stories about the miscommunications in the front office and Mm -hmm. this guy, you know, 
the owner didn't like what Peterson was doing, and Peterson didn't like what Howie Roseman was doing, mm -hmm. and they didn't like what Carson Wentz was doing, and I mean, there's lots yeah. of behind-the-scenes stuff. Yep. I think my favorite lead in Football Outsiders Almanac this year is, um, who are the Philadelphia chapter? That was uh, Dan Pizzuto. Dan Pizzuto, who yeah, just yeah. begins... Well, that escalated quickly. <laughs> yes, it's perfect. And that was what it was. It certainly did. Yeah, mm -hmm. let, let me uh, tell all of our fans, please do not go and read my Eagles chapter in the previous year's Almanac. Let's just scrub that from, from the history of Football there's, Outsiders. There's, there's a few of those that we should probably like burn from the public record. <laughs> Listen, that goes all the way back to having Kevin Jones on the cover of the first book as oh the predicted gosh. rushing champion. So Ooh. believe me, you're not the first person to make those errors. <laughs> Um, the fourth, the fourth team in the NFC West, by the way, gets to the other thing we were going to do today, which is, uh, I'll let Mike introduce the Josh Allen third-year leap drinking game. Yes, every time uh, a uh, local media person wants to say that their quarterback is going to make a sudden leap, just like Josh Allen. Now, of course, if quarterbacks made this leap every time, we wouldn't say, just like Josh Allen. We're going to say, oh, <laughs> they're going to grow in the third year. So it is the Josh Allen TM drinking game where we take some quarterbacks and also some coaches and other players and say, will they or won't they uh, make the third year leap? And folks at home, we don't have, we don't have the props here. Uh, the bourbon is waiting right outside. Take a drink every time we talk about the Josh Allen third year leap. And please set your car keys on fire or something before you do this. So we'll start with Kyler Murray from the Arizona Cardinals, right? Because mm -hmm. I think I've talked to a lot of people doing promotion for the book, and I keep bringing up the fact that the most common leap for a quarterback is from year one to mm -hmm. year two. Right. Do some quarterbacks take a leap in year three? Some do. But if you look at the average performance for all quarterbacks, it goes up in year two, and then it just kind of wavers for the next few years, and then it starts yeah. to decline after, like, year 10 or whatever. So right. – um, I think there's sort of there is a little bit of a feeling of well, Allen leapt in year three. Why doesn't Kyler Murray leap in year three? Take but, a drink. Right. <laughs> go on, go on. So I I think Kyler Murray is most likely going to be about what he was last year, which is about average. On, on the whole, average. He's, he's a fascinating quarterback. He's he's so unique. He's I I, I think he's the best scrambler in the league. Hmm. Um, hmm. Lamar is probably better on design runs, but um, his, his his quickness and he's so dang small <laughs> it's hard to you ever try to tackle a rabbit <laughs> right all right so um and 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 he and his highlight plays are so great that we all remember that the, the hail murray um mm -hmm. but he he's inconsistent and, and he has a lot of turnover worthy passes that yeah. aren't, aren't always caught so he's a ball security is definitely something he needs to work on um although I was a little surprised. Aaron and I did an interview with for Arizona yesterday, and I was a little surprised that the general perception among the Cardinals public a lot matches up with what we were saying. I was expecting more pushback. Okay. So, but they're they're they're, they're all kind of um, uh, uh, agnostic. On okay. Murray and the Cardinals, too. See, so. that, that surprises me because I feel like the broader public opinion is that Cliff Kingsbury is the problem. Mm. And, and, he's and like, I would definitely say he's the bigger problem. Right. Because uh, I mean, Vince, He's the one who needs to grow more in his third-year leap in the Josh Allen drinking game. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Drink. Did your, I do that right? Your yes. chapter, yeah. was it your chapter about how there was such a limited route tree? Like, do you think yeah. that's about the limitations Murray has specifically? Or is I, that I th about... I thought about that, too. I didn't really get into it for space reasons. Um, but essentially, they don't throw to the middle of the field. Mm. <laughs> They the do anti, not throw the post routes. Anti-Ravens. They, they do not throw in <laughs> routes. 
Yeah, the other, I, well, that's I, the, a funny thing is the, the two best runners who totally totally opposite in the passing game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they, they don't don't throw post routes. They don't throw in routes. They very rarely throw drags or crosses. It's mm-hmm. it's all sidelines, and and a big part of it is what the air raid is designed to do is just spread the defense, throw short passes underneath, let guys make tackles, and then do it again. So right. you're counting on guys taking a curl route. Well, in particular, DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. Take this curl route, break five tackles, and score. <laughs> That's when, their game plan. When he's always on the left side, often in a bunch formation, bringing, and, rolling the defense in that direction. And it got to the point where, like, I know what's going to happen. I'm sure these defensive coordinators know exactly what's mm-hmm. going to happen. And then what happened? <laughs> so th- th- there's more room for obvious growth from Cliff Kingsbury from an X's and O's standpoint than from Kyler Murray from an athletic standpoint, obviously. Or and maybe from Kyler Murray if he ends up getting a new coach in the future. I mean, there was like the Jared Goff. His leap happened in year two because yeah. that's when Sean McVay arrived. Right. Like, yeah. right. Is Murray going to leap when a new coach comes to town? I would say, I said yesterday on this interview, like if you asked me what was going to happen after this year, I think it's much more likely that Kingsbury moves on. Mm-hmm. If, it, if, it, if they don't make the playoffs this year, that they, lo- they lose Kingsbury and they have another coach and they give Murray a year to try to make it work with another coach right. than that they give up on Murray after year three. And that makes sense. Um, I will say a little cheeky ass, if not quarterbacks, what position group is most likely to take a leap in year three? And I, I do not have research on this no. that I can present. My subjective first thought is wide receivers. Yeah, I think... Wide receivers is a good one. Yeah. And tight ends tight as well. Ends. Tight, right. tight end has the steepest learning curve. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. maybe not of every position, but of all the fantasy-relevant positions. Right. Yeah. So, like, it wouldn't be weird to me, just throwing out an example for Irv Smith, to really jump out okay. this year. Playing for the Vikings, he was a high pick, but really hasn't been a huge part of their offense. And, you know, they've had veteran Kyle Rudolph there the previous two years, and I mm-hmm. think that there are a lot of responsibilities to learn that would then unlock playing time for Smith that would then let him do his like natural catching of the ball. Like He's probably already equipped to be a really good pass catcher in the mm-hmm. league, but if he can't do all the other stuff, right. that's why he hasn't been playing. So you're saying Irv Smith could make the Josh Allen third-year leap? Drink. Yes. Drink. I'm not sure that's that's quite the equivalent, <laughs> but, but yes, yes. But, 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 well, no, you're right, because, and rookie tight ends often struggle because if you're to be an effective tight end in the NFL, you basically have to be a wide receiver and an offensive lineman. Yes. Yeah. And so that's a lot to learn. In Smith, 23.5% DVOA last year was eighth best at the position, but, you know, that was over 30-some catches, yeah, right? Right. right? You know, he looks like he's already one of the best receivers well, in the position. Yeah, but a, hmm. a lot of times what is perceived as a, a leap – is just more opportunity. True. And, right. and, and the opportunity is there. So. In, in the old days, it definitely was wide receiver because it was the old uh, Bill Walsh. It takes three years to learn the West Coast offense. Nowadays, you wind up in the four-receiver package, the three you wind up being the screen guy, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I, while I'm sure guys take the third-year leap, it's not like, oh, 12 catches, 13 catches, 84 catches. You still see that, I think, at tight end because it's like you can't get on the field at all unless you're like a crackerjack blocker until you adjust in that way. Yeah. Now, there are receivers that I think it makes sense to kind of follow this line of thinking, okay. but there, there are always reasons, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, one example, McCole Hardman for the Chiefs, okay. he was blocked, right? They had really good pass catchers yeah. in front of him. Sammy mm-hmm. Watkins very talented, even if fantasy players didn't always love him. Right. There's a reason. Paris Campbell for the Colts. Okay. Missed a lot of the last two seasons with ACL injuries, kidney injuries, collarbone, like every injury that you've ever seen. And mm-hmm. it, so, like, I think a lot of people think he's probably done because of that, but you know, Keenan Allen had a very similar start to his career mm. and has made four straight Pro Bowls since becoming healthy. Jacoby Myers, a guy that was 
wasn't original. <laughs> <laughs> we just lost the Twitch sign. I love it. Uh, Good night, folks. I, I just broke Twitch <laughs> with my, my hot takes, guys. No, J- Jacoby, Jacoby Myers, a guy that was undrafted, so maybe wasn't getting the early opportunities right. of, say, in Keel Harry type of mm-hmm. player. But suddenly last year over the second half was getting a lot of targets. Like they're wide receivers, they're, they're, there's reasons why they could they could break out in year three. Right. But for the you know, the earlier round guys, those guys are getting opportunities. So I'll put you on the spot. Which of those guys do you think will take a Josh Allen third year leap? Drink. <sighs> I don't think it's McCole Hardman. I think that they have other players like a Demarcus Robinson that may kind of eat into that work mm-hmm. too. Honestly, it's this is gonna be weird and maybe Aaron can respond. I think it might be Jacoby Myers. Even though the Patriots brought in a lot of new wide receivers, nine thousand new receivers and tight ends. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was just really weird. Myers would have been an effective fantasy player last mm-hmm. season, but he didn't catch a touchdown pass. And mm. I think people think that's what's going to happen forever for the Patriots. But I think if Cam Newton can't really throw the ball this year, they're just going to move on to their to their rookie, right? So either right. either Newton's shoulder is going to be better, or he's not going to be starting in Week Six, right? Right. I think yeah. that that's true. Yeah. 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 Um, by the way, thank you to Matthias01, who says he wanted to thank, thank us for all we do, making watching football an actual experience with in-depth analysis, which in turn gives him an idea of certain matchups and keys to watch for. I'm converting my friends to deep diving into FO's wealth of knowledge. Excellent. I still have a hard time telling what DVOA is to my dad, though. <laughs> Just tell him it's efficiency. Yeah. That's all. If DVOA makes, is efficiency. And thank you for your kind words. Thank you. If it makes you feel any better, my dad has specifically said, do not get him a copy of the book. <laughs> <laughs> this is a topic for off-camera, yeah, I'm all, sure. All, all, if you're watching this, you should have a copy of the book. Remember, right. mm-hmm. I'm not assuming only, this audience, I didn't, just, I didn't just kill a sale, I don't think. It's but, 500, yeah. 525 pages of football analysis, and it kills mosquitoes. It's amazingly <laughs> useful. My own mother said my novel was too depressing. It's a romantic comedy. <laughs> <laughs> um, as far as quarterbacks taking a third-year leap, Danny Dimes. <laughs> what do we think about Danny Dimes? Because look, I mean, listen, a lot of these conversations we're having with local reporters to promote the Almanac, you have to say the same thing about the team if the quarterback takes a leap, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Giants, you know, Kenny Galladay is there now. Saquon Barkley will be back healthy. The offensive line should improve with a little bit more experience. There's some players on defense. Like yeah. everything is like if Danny Dimes takes the leap, if what Danny leap? Dimes takes the leap. What leap? That's the Josh thing. Allen it's the Josh Allen leap. Right? Drink, drink. Okay, drink. But I don't see it likely to happen. Well, we were good. I don't think any of us were high on him coming out of college. Um, I, 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 Mike, Mike's. I was. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't as down. I mean, you remember, people were just eviscerating him, and it's like they they drafted uh, you know a turd or something like that. <laughs> people people were mad that they didn't take him. 30 picks later. It's not like they thought that he could never make it in the oh, NFL. Uh, right? there, were some, uh, there were some people who were like, I can't see a thing that he does right. Like, there was this really ripping. Like, a, you, you follow draft Twitter, especially. Like, they'll, they'll, yeah. get on a, they'll get on a roll, and they'll get on a roll, and the, and the kid's garbage at some points. I was a little less negative than that. Yeah. But I think that, like I said about third-year leaps being rare, usually by the end of year two, you sort of know what he is. Mm-hmm. Now, He's really good last year at deep throws, yeah. and they want to go deep a lot. Like they want to yeah. go deep to Darius Slayton and Kenny Galladay. He just struggles with the short and intermediate stuff. Mm-hmm. Zalem says the NFL windows are too small for him, and I think Maybe. that that's an accurate statement. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the key to it, and also getting the ball out a little quicker and being smarter to avoid the rush. He can move 
decently, but doesn't avoid the rush. Smart. But yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, backfill from this deep ball. I, I don't know many examples of guys who backfilled from a deep ball into being overall successful. Right. Yeah. In the modern NFL, there just isn't enough deep passing that you yeah. can. I mean, right. they want to be an old school team that's running and deep throws. Right. Well, but they added a good receiver in Kenny yes. Galladay to yeah, join really Darius Slayton receiver. to have really good deep throws. Right. But, yeah, I mean, I don't want this to be my corner, guys, so don't, don't make this no, my thing. Good. But uh, – I think Drew Locke has a better chance than Danny Dimes. And so he's been more successful so far in his career. Daniel Jones, negative 19.2% and negative 22.4% DVOA in his first two years. Mm -hmm. Locke, not much better, but 2.2% and negative 16.2%. But also dealing with shoulder and rib injuries, things that could actually affect the passing. Jones has been pretty healthy. I think there's a lot more likelihood that kind of by not seeing Locke, Mm-hmm. on the field and healthy, like maybe he could be the guy that comes out of nowhere. And so, takes the Josh Allen third-year leap. Exactly. Ding. That's exactly what I was going to say. Oh, rebel. He also has <laughs> he has a better supporting cast, both defensively and skill talent-wise, yes. even with the, the offseason additions that, that the Giants have made. Right. Jones was a little bit banged up from most of the second half last year, so there was a little bit okay, of that. Okay, so maybe well. I'm underrating that. Right, yeah, but you're, but you're right. The supporting cast is definitely there. The one thing Locke has is a competitor for his job. Daniel True. Jones would have to really lose this job to lose it, uh, whereas Locke has got, like, one strike and he'll probably be out. Well, yeah. If, yeah. Locke, if Locke isn't good, then it doesn't matter. Like, right. That's, but that's a, true of Jones, too. That's right? a good point. Right. Yeah. It's not a third-year well, no, Josh Allen third-year leap if you just play all year. It, 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 it's important because if if, if – Locke isn't good out of the gate. He's done. Jones, if he's bad in September, will have a chance to turn, to save right. a season. Yeah. So I, he'll be the year four leap, is what we're saying. I, I had <laughs> or, to look or, up. or cut. I had to look up who Jones's backup is. Who is it? It's Mike Glennon. Nice. Oh my god. <laughs> Mike State Glennon's legend. still in the National Football. League. Mike Mike Lennon, the guy that NC State gave the quarterback job to over Russell Wilson. Mike, you may he, forget. Mike yeah. Lennon probably would be available in an expansion draft. I think. And I wouldn't take him. <laughs> I would not take him. You're right. Everywhere no, I wouldn't either. <laughs> everywhere he's gone, a disastrous decision has followed at quarterback. You know, the, the Bears just decreed he's a starter now because they didn't want to hear about Colin Kaepernick, and they handed all of this money to him. And then they get Trubisky to replace him. He is he, he is like Typhoid Mary going through the, uh, you know. Well, Glennon's didn't. really tall, so, I mean, maybe the, the Elway should trade for him. He, he could be a Broncos. Tall. Be part of that mix. It's amazing That's, he hasn't been on the Broncos yet. Yeah, Wasn't he point. in Tampa Bay right before they drafted Jameis Winston, too? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And he, he had this one year. And the thing is, if you look at his good stat year, there was a game where the Ravens went up like 38-3 to at halftime. Yeah. And there were like three – there were about like three touchdowns on Glennon's like 12-touchdown good season that was just him playing against scrubs in yeah. the fourth quarter of a game that was down by 31 points. He actually had a game with Tampa Bay where they took Seattle to overtime. And everything. Which of these quarterbacks is Russell Wilson again? Oh my goodness! Just any oh given Sunday. Well, that happened last year with Colt McCoy. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> things must you. <laughs> <laughs> things happen. So the other thing to talk about the third year. The, sorry, the Josh Allen third year leap. Ding. Is coaches. So we brought up. Kingsbury, you don't want to say Bruce Arians because he's in his third year, but <laughs> well, he make me third year. He's leap. kind of leapt already. <laughs> He's with a bigger Lombardi. <laughs> um, so Zach Taylor is in his third year. Okay, yeah. And Brian Flores in Miami is in his third year. And then Vic Fangio in Denver, although it seems weird to talk about a guy in his 60s taking any kind of leap at all. Right. <laughs> I certainly it's, would it's like a, Vic Fangio step. to be more aggressive on fourth downs. I'm very disappointed with how conservative Denver has been on fourth downs over the last couple of years. 
Oh, yeah. And that's that's your old school defensive coach at work there. Yeah. I mean, Flores is the obvious one, right? But right. The, the whole, that whole front franchise has been moving in that rebuilding direction, so it, it just so seems so natural. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, are we sure Zach Taylor's a bad coach just because that team has been horrible the last two years? I mean, uh, I think they're, they're moving in the right direction, too. They're just a little bit behind the Dolphins. Here's, there here's, were guys running screaming out of that uh, organization last year. There really were. There were guys retiring. There were uh, Dunlop. The yeah. thing, thing yeah. I don't understand about Zach Taylor is if he's from the Sean McVay family, why do they not run play action more? They're like near the bottom of the league in play action. If he's trying to be Sean McVay, why is he not trying to be Sean McVay? Is he's, it because Burrow doesn't have a good arm? Uh, like he seems like more of a spread type guy, right? It is yeah, a spread but, offense. He's the bad seed of the Sean McVay family. <laughs> he's the, the black sheep. He's the black sheep, yeah. The, I, I don't know, but I can see, like, if you want to say – What's the story of the of Zach Taylor taking the Josh Allen third year leap? Dang. Okay, it's, it would be we have Burrow develops. They have the spread offense with all these receivers, and and the team you know rises up. So I can see a logical way that he rises up and do, does that. It's almost like Flores would have a harder chance. He have to he has to go to the Super Bowl to demonstrate that he's taking this big step forward because the team's already winning a little bit, and it'll be like accredited to like the great. It'll be, it'll be Belichick will get credit for it. You know, Brian Flores rises up because of, you know, well, yeah. of the mentorship. It's like, you know? which NFL head coaches would have taken Brandon Allen, you know, on a playoff run? That, <laughs> yeah. That's few, very, very few. You yeah. just like the title f- says. Fourth best Allen quarterback last year. <laughs> Josh. Will Kyle. Bur- Kyle, my guy Kyle. Kyle, Kyle. Yeah. 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 Was there another one? Maybe that was it. I don't okay. remember. Will Burrow even be the same after his knee injury? I think guys have come back from ACLs. Pretty good, actually. The, yeah. Like we've we've been able to recover from ACLs, pretty good. Man, Bur- Burrow man. is sneaky athletic. I mean, obviously you say that because he's white, right? Mm-hmm. But like he like that is kind of a big part of his game. So you would hope that that hasn't affected the mentality. That's the mentality that you worry about the quarterback because it's like, well, you know, he's in the pocket, he'll be able to move. Is, is that he- what happened to Wentz? I mean, no, he suffered that knee injury and he never really was quite the same. Yeah, that might be part of it. Mm. The I, princess and the pea. Go yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> Bill, Bill Houston says, will Josh Allen's growing role in his local freedom militia diminish his quarterback development in Buffalo? This is not something I know about. This is only something I know about is, his receivers. Is this about the Buffalo anti-vaxxers who've got everything oh, wow. they need to win the Super Bowl except the antibodies? I, I will say, I'll end with this. Tom Pelissero mm-hmm. tweeted that the NFL has informed teams that if a game cannot be rescheduled because of a COVID outbreak during the 2021 season among unvaccinated players, the team with the outbreak will forfeit. Okay. Tom Pelissero and Tom Pelissero put forfeit in all capital letters mm-hmm. and be credited with a loss for playoff seating. Okay. The Panthers are a top four vaccinated team as of a week ago, according to ESPN. So well, there you go. good news for so us. There we go. That's all how need... we're going to get Sam Darnold into the playoffs. A, a, a dozen teams to forfeit every week. <laughs> and to be good. That's you probably gotta, the easiest path. You got to protect Mono Guy. <laughs> All right, that does it for the Football Outsiders Radio Hour. We want to thank everybody for joining us here on twitch.tv slash fboutsiders. Uh, Thank you for listening on your favorite podcast app. Thank you for watching on YouTube. Again, a reminder, please rate us on your podcast app. Help people find the show. Also, please come watch the Twitch on Thursdays at 1 p.m. because we love to have the interaction on the chat and watch Scott's New weekly fantasy Twitch starting next Tuesday, 1 p.m. Tuesdays for the big fantasy football Twitch. Will more Daryl Henderson talk, I'm sure. (laughs) No doubt. 
Thank you all for joining us, and we will see you next week. Thank you again to uh, – thanks to the Edge Sports team for hosting yes. us in Louisville. We've had a great time. Thanks to Mike. Thanks to Vince. Thanks to Scott. And uh, we'll see you all next week on the Football Outsiders Radio Hour. Take care.